I, Sarah, take you, Jason. I haven't heard from him since we got to Las Vegas. For better or for worse, for worse, we found him. He's in a coma. His ring. He took off his ring? Do you know who I am? Of course. You're my nurse. In sickness and in health and in health, your hospital bill is at $200,000 and unfortunately can't leave. For richer or for poorer, poorer, you're going to have to charter your own helicopter. As long as we both shall live. As we both shall live. La, 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 la. Hello and welcome to Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jaina Marie. Here we are. We made it to the end of our three-part trilogy, For Better or For Worse, Almost Killed Her. I said it was going to be crazy, didn't I? And I did not lie. I mean... You didn't think I'd lie to you, did you? The response to the first two episodes has been amazing. So many people have sent DMs with their opinions as to where they think this story is going. Do you have any ideas? A few people told me that they think Jason's faking the amnesia. Some people were shook that my ex never sent the video footage. And then there's a general uproar of listeners who want to save Sarah. And I get it. But as Sarah, myself, and anyone else who's been in a situation kind of like this knows, she has to save herself by finally answering the question, is it enough disrespect for you to walk away with a loud, confident yes I've had enough. Again, I offered to let Sarah listen before we release part two, but she politely declined. She said, I told you, I trust you. So you can imagine how I was holding my breath for her feedback after we released it. Did I do the story justice? Did I get all the details right? Well, in the afternoon on the day of the release, she reached out to me and said, I got chills. Every time I hear you describe something that Jason does, I catch myself saying, Jesus, this girl is nuts for letting that shit go. I love this for her. She's done so much healing since all of this has happened that hearing the story told back to her feels like it's about someone else because there's no way today's version of Sarah would put up with any of this. All I know is she's a much better person than me because I'd like to think that if this were my story, there wouldn't be a part three because I would have mistakenly (laughs) tripped over the life support blog after I found out he hadn't been wearing his wedding ring. (laughs) Although, you know, now that I think of it, there was a time when I probably would have done exactly what she did because let's be real here. A man cheated on me and abandoned me the day that I lost our baby. And I still paid $5,000 for his education a couple of days later because I was cheering for his potential. So Sarah and I aren't that different. So far, this story's felt like we've been off-roading in a lifted Jeep with the top off, no seatbelts and the check engine light flashing. We've been thrashing around in the backseat together as the story's taken us through mud, windy roads, and potholes that had us praying for mercy. This week, the road stays wild. In fact, well, maybe more than last week. It's a bumpy one, so grab onto a holy shit handle and hang on tight. Because today, we're going to learn what life was like once Jason and Sarah got back to Canada and what was the last straw that finally had Sarah saying, enough Enough is enough. enough. You're not going to believe this. Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses and laughing at ourselves along the way. (laughs) Now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie.
The helicopter landed at the Vancouver hospital and Jason was admitted immediately. For Sarah, being back home felt surreal. During the first 24 hours of being there, all of his friends and family came to visit and seeing the familiar faces was a reminder that this wasn't some terrible nightmare she was going to wake up from. This was real life. Jason wasn't better. He was just in a different bed and sometimes he could be really difficult to deal with. One afternoon, he pushed all the wrong buttons and Sarah got overwhelmed with frustration. The weight of it all finally caught up to her. She'd been so focused on him and what he needed that she hadn't taken a moment to feel sorry for herself, to really feel her own emotions. So she could tell that they were all going to come to a boiling point and she knew she needed some privacy. So she left the room abruptly and took a walk down one of the long hospital hallways, fighting tears the whole way. She found a waiting room, and when she finally sat down, everything caught up to her. She bawled her eyes out. One of Jason's friends noticed that she'd left and came looking for her. He saw her, sitting alone, crying, and took a seat beside her. She looked up at him with tears rolling down her cheeks and said, There's no way Jason would put up with all of this if the tables were turned. His friend said, that's not true. But the look on his face told her that they both knew he was lying. After a week of being in the hospital, Jason was finally released and allowed to go home. Sarah had so many mixed emotions about him leaving the hospital. What would it be like taking him into their place? The one that they had chosen and decorated together. Would it jog his memory? Would he like it? What would it be like trying to take care of him now? Because he could barely walk and... It was easy to deal with in the hospital when she had help, but on her own? He looked around as they walked up to the front door of their place. Sarah watched his expressions carefully. Did he recognize any of it? She opened the door and said, well, here we are. He looked around. It was like he was checking into an Airbnb that someone else had booked for him. Clearly, he didn't remember a thing. She said, There's a spare bedroom upstairs if you'd like to sleep there. His eyes fixated on a picture of the two of them hanging on the wall and he said, It's okay. I can sleep in your room. That night and many nights after that, they slept on separate sides. It was like having a stranger in her bed. Nothing was familiar. On top of that, his injury was still affecting his motor skills. So he had a hard time doing day-to-day things. And as a personal trainer, it was extra frustrating for him. He had a temper before the accident, but it was so much worse now. At least before, his salty moments were balanced out with sweet ones. But after the injury, Sarah had to keep reminding herself that the man she loved was still inside there, somewhere. These days, she really didn't know what part of his shitty behavior was because of the accident and what was authentically him. A good example of this happened one afternoon when he asked her for a snack. She made him a grilled cheese sandwich and brought it to him as he sat on the couch. He reached up to take it, and as the plate landed between his fingers, he paused. He examined what she'd made and decided that it wasn't to his standards. With the plate still being held in the air between his fingers, he asked, What the fuck is this? She said, It's a grilled cheese sandwich. He said, It looks disgusting. And he threw it across the living room. As the plate hit the ground, the sandwich slid off and across the carpet. Sarah did her best to keep it together. The worst part was his mobility still wasn't there, so she had to pick it up and clean the carpets. 
She said it felt like she was playing fetch. It was humiliating. Okay, hold up, hold up. Are you as frustrated for her right now as I am? Why am I so triggered by this? I mean, Jason had done so many despicable things up to this point, but for some reason, hearing about her having to clean up the sandwich she made him after all the ways she's shown up for his lying, cheating, undeserving ass makes my blood boil. I wish I could have been there to give her a hug and tell her she deserved better. Oh. In our interview, I asked Sarah, when did you feel like you finally got the old Jason back? And she said that about nine months after the incident, his memory returned. But even though he could remember their wedding, etc., she never really did get him back. Now he had a shorter temper. He'd blame his injury for everything. And he treated her like she was his nurse instead of his wife. When he first got home from the hospital, he was saying that he'd never drink again because of the situation that his drinking put them in. But a few months later, he started again. After all, he had an addiction. He was an alcoholic. Sarah had gone back to work and he didn't handle being home by himself very well. I can't even imagine how frustrating this must have been for her. One night, she came in the door after a long day of work and Jason had been home drinking with his friends made a joke about the jacket she was wearing. Then it snowballed into more insults and judgy comments, and when she'd finally reached her limit, she playfully said, okay, okay, get off my back. One of his friends could tell that he'd crossed the line and kind of tried to stand up for her by saying, yeah, really, dude, lay off. She and everyone else there thought it was all in good fun, but as soon as they all left, an even more intoxicated Jason started to hurl insults and complaints about her, that she had some nerve trying to humiliate him in front of all of his friends, and that she had no idea what he gave up when he chose to marry her. The whole thing blew way out of proportion and Sarah lost it on him. She reminded him that the whole fight started by him making fun of her when she came home from work. And he said, I have a brain injury. I don't remember saying any of that. And she said, well, it seems pretty convenient that you only remember what I said and not you. He stormed off and Sarah was so fed up. She texted her best friend saying, I'm so fucking mad right now. I've had it with him. He's a piece of shit. He treats me so bad and I don't deserve this. Her friend asked, so what are you going to do? Sarah paced around the house with her heart racing. She said, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm not this person. I don't just sit around and complain about the same thing all the time. I got to go. I'm out of here. Fuck him. So Sarah left Jason that night. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. All she took were some of their important documents, but she left everything else behind. She was ready to say goodbye to it all. She wanted peace. She also wrote him a letter saying that she wasn't a doormat. She was his wife who'd only stood by him through all of his bullshit and she deserved better. Wouldn't it be great if this was the end of her suffering? If she stuck to her guns, started her healing journey and moved on with her life? Sure, it would have been good for her, but it certainly wouldn't have been worth us waiting an entire week for a crazy conclusion, now would it? So as the story goes, Sarah woke up the next morning feeling guilty. Wait, what? She felt like she'd failed as a wife, that she shouldn't be walking out on him at a time when he needed her most. And she concluded that the reason he was being so hard on her was because he was going through so much. He was just scared and frustrated with himself, and that's why he was being a jerk. 
So she decided she should try and find a counselor so she could learn how to better navigate his emotions as well as how to be a better support. Then, less than after two weeks of being apart, they reconciled. Yeah. Crazy. Shortly after, they moved into the home that they'd pre-purchased before their honeymoon and he went back to work. She was now working full time and going to counseling regularly as well as working on herself. And for a minute, things seemed to be going back to normal for the two of them. Because Jason's health wasn't so much of a concern anymore, Sarah was focused on her career as well as her personal growth. One of the things she learned through counseling was the importance of vocalizing her feelings. She now had the tools and the confidence to address things in the moment, to tell Jason what she wanted him to hear instead of holding back like she used to. She examined why she never really felt comfortable standing up for herself. And as she dug deeper into her past, she realized it was because of trauma she'd had as a child. When she was little, if she cried, she would get hit and sent to the corner. And at one time, she remembered being in the hospital and her parents taking off on her as she chased them, screaming for them to come back. So she learned from a very young age that if she had any issues, if she ever came across as needy, the people she loved would leave her. So it's no wonder she grew up to be a chronic people pleaser. Her belief was, if I'm emotional, they'll leave me. If I'm quiet and compliant, they'll stay. In the past, she'd always been so understanding, so self-sacrificing, and never really vocalizing when she had an issue. But now, things were different. She learned where it was all rooted from, and she was making the appropriate changes. But this new Sarah was not the person that Jason had married. He was used to the complacent woman who never stood up for herself. So once again, her independence gave him more of a reason to drink. The more she grew, the more focused on herself she got, the worse he got. As if everything I've told you wasn't enough, Sarah's sister also had cancer. Around this time, it had finally got into remission, and their whole family decided that in order to celebrate her new bill of health, they'd all go to Jamaica together. Sarah, Jason, and 12 of their family members packed their bags and planned for what they anticipated to be a relaxing, celebratory vacation that they all deserved so desperately. Our couple planned for the vacation with their family and then they were going to stay a few days afterwards so that they could have some alone time in the sun. Now, again, just like their wedding, as soon as they touched down, Jason was focused on trying to party. Sarah was used to him drinking, but things were different when it was around her family. His friends knew what he was like, but she didn't like when her parents saw that side of him. But one night, for example, he got extra rowdy. He had his hands all over her on the dance floor and tried taking her shirt off in front of everyone. She was so embarrassed. And when they got back to their hotel room, she expressed how she felt, which, as I mentioned, wasn't something he was used to. And it turned into a fight. One of the rules Sarah had was that if Jason was drinking, she didn't want to sleep in the same bed as him. It was something she was really sensitive about because as a child, She'd been molested by drunk men in her bed. Jason knew this, but on one of the nights of the trip, he tried forcing her to sleep with him despite being really drunk. And when she rejected him, he freaked out. I should be able to touch my wife whenever the fuck I want. I want a divorce. Sarah felt like she'd been punched in the gut. The fact that he'd say something so hurtful over her trying to have boundaries around something that was so painful stung so bad. 
She also couldn't believe he'd threatened to divorce her over something so small after all she'd done for him. She said, you can't throw that word around, Jason. Words have meaning. And think about it. How would you feel if someone said that to your daughter if she'd been through what I've been through? You should know better. Your drinking is ruining this whole trip. His shoulders dropped. He knew she was right. He said, you know what? I've crossed the line. I'm going to make it up to you. Let me party one last time on this trip. And then the rest of the time, I'll stay sober. Sarah was so relieved. This was music to her ears. She felt like they were finally making progress. She knew that as long as he wasn't drinking, they would get along great. And it was about time they started enjoying this vacation. She said, okay, if you're partying tonight, I'll stay back at the hotel. It was a deal. It was a deal. It was a deal. So that night, Sarah had a relaxing visit with her mom and sister. They had some dinner. They went for a walk by the ocean. They sipped some drinks in the lobby bar and they went to bed relatively early. Meanwhile, Jason went to the strip club with her cousins. The next day, Sarah woke up excited for a new beginning to their trip. She made some coffee and was waiting to hear about what happened with the guys. Jason woke up, poured himself a cup and sat down in front of her. He looked like shit. She said, whoa, looks like you had fun last night. He said, I did. (laughs) Probably a little too much. She said, oh, what happened? He said, well, I don't remember all the details. Um... But I think I ended up kissing one of the strippers. <laughs> Sarah's expression changed immediately. What? Yeah, it's no big deal. It was just an awkward moment where uh, I was watching her dance and she leaned over and laid one on me in front of the guys. It really it wasn't anything that serious. And now I'm all done partying. You have me here. I'm sober for the rest of the trip. We're all good. He'd been talking, but Sarah wasn't even hearing what was coming out of his face after the words, I kissed a stripper. She said, I can't believe you. You say you want to go out one more time and you can't even keep your shit together for one night? You had to embarrass me in front of my whole family? Don't you party enough at home? You really had to do this. Now I look like an idiot. He said, oh my God, it's really not that serious. She said, yeah, it is. You know what? I don't want you to touch me for the rest of this trip. You're disgusting. He said, if we're going to be fighting this whole time, maybe we should just go home. She said, no, this trip is way too important for my family. We're here for my sister. We're going to shelf this conversation and play nice. We'll talk about it when we get back. But in the meantime, don't even think about touching me. And that is exactly what they did until their family left Jamaica. Once they were gone, Sarah and Jason were there together, alone and not getting along at all. It was miserable for both of them, and they decided to go home early. Now they were getting ready for Christmas, Sarah's favorite time of the year. Things were still rocky between the two of them. She was still hurt and annoyed, shook at the audacity of him, not only for how he behaved in Jamaica in terms of the drinking, but all of the ways he hurt and embarrassed her. So they hadn't officially made up yet, but she told him they were going to play nice for the holidays because she didn't want her family to be worried about them. So they got dressed up and made their way to family dinner, ready for a night of home-cooked food and fake smiles. It was nice to have everyone together, and it seemed like Jason was going to be on his best behavior. Once the food was done, the small talk was over, and the drinks started catching up to them, one of Sarah's cousins, who'd been in Jamaica, made his way over to her and said, Hey, I really need to talk to you. Sarah cut him off immediately. She already knew what he was going to say. I don't want to talk about it, okay? Not at Christmas. She had a feeling he was going to tell her that Jason had kissed the stripper. Her cousin said, No, really, 
I think we need to talk. There's something I really need to tell you. She said, I already know what you want to say, okay? Jason already told me what he did. We're working on it. I don't need this kind of drama right now. Not at the holidays. Her cousin was tipsy and not taking no for an answer. He said, I don't think you do know what happened. Can you please just hear me out? It's important. Now he'd piqued Sarah's curiosity. So she said, fine. What is it? Well, as you know, I was with Jason at the strip club. Uh Uh-huh. You told me to take care of him. She said, sure. Look how well that turned out. He said, no, you don't get it. When we first got there, Jason told me to take all of his cash so that he'd behave himself. Uh Uh-huh. Then, after a bit, he came back and asked me for $5. I asked him why he needed it, and he said it's because that's all it costs to make out with one of the strippers here. I told him it was a bad idea, and he said, see, that's why I gave you my money, so that I don't get in any trouble, and he walked away. Sarah could feel her face getting hot. Jason had told her that it had happened casually, like she'd kissed him and there was nothing he could do about it. He never said anything about paying anyone for anything. Her cousin continued. So then he had a couple more drinks and he came back demanding all of his money. Sarah said, oh, great. Honestly, I regret it now, but I gave it all to him. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of wanted to see how big of a piece of shit he was. At this point, Sarah knew the story was about to get much worse. Her cousin said, Then I went to the bar to grab a drink, and when I came back, he'd obviously paid the stripper because now they were making out beside the stage. Sarah thought she was going to throw up. He was making out with her in front of her family? He said, I'm so sorry. I know you told me to watch out for him, but he was on one that night. I don't think there's anything I could have done to stop him. Sarah figured that was the worst, but her cousin kept going. He said, at the end of the night, we were all getting ready to leave and I couldn't find him anywhere. I checked the seats around the stage, the bar, and I even went to check the private rooms in case he'd gone in there, but I didn't see him anywhere. Sarah's eyes widened. Where the hell was this story going? He said, I figured maybe he'd gone to take a nap in the limo or something. So I went outside and I found him. He was in the streets. And he had a prostitute from the club leaned up against the limo. He was on his knees in front of her, eating Eating her out. I wish all he did was kiss her, Sarah. I'm so sorry. I should have never given him his money back. Sarah was furious, so lost in her thoughts, she tuned him out and wandered away. No, 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 no. She'd been through way too much, tried too hard, lost far too much for this... She'd been hurt, disappointed, mistreated, lied to. Hell, she'd had herpes already. What What the the fuck? If he was messing with prostitutes, what was next? He was licking prostitute vagina in front of her family on a family vacation? She didn't need to get infected with something even worse than herpes. All she kept thinking was, next it's going to be HIV. The only saving grace was that she hadn't let him touch her since he admitted to kissing the stripper. And now she was so glad that she at least listened to her intuition about that. Was this enough disrespect? Was it enough for her to finally walk away? Yes. <laughs> this was enough disrespect. Finally. Finally. Finding out her man had been with a prostitute on a family vacation in front of her family on the one night she'd let him out after a year of pure hell. It was finally enough. She'd done her job. She'd stayed for better or for worse, but it just kept getting worse. And she was tired of waiting for things to get better. 
She knew she'd done all she could to help him. She tried being a good, supportive, loving wife, but now she had to draw the line. It wasn't about saving Christmas anymore. Now she had to save herself. So she waited till the next day when he was sober. She told him it was over. She didn't want anything to do with him anymore. She packed her belongings and left for her brother's house. Finally. So you see, as you listen to this story, it's clear that in some ways, Sarah played herself. She continually ignored the signs, forgave without repercussions. But we also learned that there are things in her past that taught her to live that way. It didn't have to get this bad. It didn't have to go this far. Remember that day in part one when she needed help parallel parking, when her intuition was telling her to drive away, that this wasn't the energy she wanted in her life. Her gut told her, but she didn't listen. She ignored all the signs along the way and ended up in the wrong destination, finding out from her family that her man was licking prostitute vagina in Jamaica in front of her family. I hate that it had to get this terrible, that she had to get hurt this badly before finally realizing that she deserved better. But unfortunately, some of us have to learn the hard way. And I understand because I'm one of those people. Sarah continued her therapy. She focused on her personal growth as well as helping other women. Once she felt she was finally ready to start dating again, she browsed through the Facebook dating app and matched with a man who had Jason as a friend that they had in common. The guy was cute, so she met up with him for coffee anyways. And as they talked, she asked him. The app says that you know a guy named Jason. He goes, yeah, you know him? Sarah said, yeah, I was his wife. The guy said, are you serious? I've been to your house a bunch of times. Sarah said, really? But we've never met. He goes, yeah, I know. I always thought Jason must have the most easygoing lady. I'll be honest with you. I was his Coke dealer. Sarah pretended not to be surprised. She knew Jason did drugs sometimes when he was with friends, but didn't know it was so serious. He had his own dealer and especially not one who was coming to her house regularly. But suddenly, all of the drinking made more sense. And the fact that he could party nonstop for three days, how had she not realized this before? The guy continued, yeah, I used to stop by your place at the start of the night with Coke. And then at the end of the night, I'd come back with Viagra because he always hired escorts. All this explained the herpes. Jason never admitted to having been with anyone else. When the doctor told her the news, she'd figured maybe he'd messed around with a woman from his gym or met someone at a nightclub one night. She had no idea he was regularly hiring escorts to come to their home for coked up sex. Thank God it was over. Thank God she never ended up with anything worse than herpes. Thank God she'd found her voice and will never, ever be in a situation like that ever again. Once she was done telling me her story and I picked my jaw up off the floor, I tried to think of some of the questions you might have wanted to ask her. The first was, what happened to those crazy hospital bills? Well, Sarah paid for that helicopter out of her own pocket, but her family all chipped in to pay back half of it. Even her very poor family in the Philippines contributed. When she asked Jason to pay her back for the rest of it, he said that that wasn't fair because it wasn't his idea or his fault that he needed it because it was for his health. So Sarah got stuck with $16,000. The rest of the bills, the $460,000, still haven't been paid. Somewhere in a Las Vegas hospital is an outstanding bill. Did they ever find out how Jason got injured? 
No, they didn't. He was so drunk at the time that he has no idea how or why he even ended up in the hospital. Has Sarah heard from him since they broke up? Well, she was completely done once they were over, but eight months later, he did send her a text one morning that said, Hey, if I make us breakfast, do you want to come over and smash? (laughs) When she told me this, I could not stop laughing. I mean, how good would that breakfast have to be, right? (laughs) I don't think so, buddy. Another question I thought you might want to ask is, would she consider getting married again? I asked her and she said yes. I absolutely would. I feel like the first time you get married for the lessons or the experience and the second time for love. I love that advice. And I guess my personal follow-up question would be, what about the third time? (laughs) Next, I asked her, what would the Sarah of today tell the Sarah who wanted a lasting relationship before she met Jason? Or what would she tell anyone else who's wanting a relationship for that matter? And Sarah gave some very wise advice. She said, loving people is important. But loving yourself is more important. If you want a lasting relationship, you have to resist the urge to abandon your own needs in an effort to meet someone else's needs. Isn't that powerful? And the last question was, of course, the one I always like to ask is, was there any beauty in all this mess? And if so, what would it be? Sarah responded right away with, so much beauty. That gave me chills. That's not the response I expected. She said, I found a depth of forgiveness, understanding and empathy for myself and others that I never imagined I could have. It made me a better friend, family member and counselor. I've learned to see myself as a contributing factor to the chaos. And that has been monumental in letting go of all the resentment and anger. I always ask, what was or is my part in all of this? And I learned to sit with myself in silence, in solitude. I was always avoiding my own company. But since Jason, I've found a new appreciation for my relationship with myself. And I just can't settle anymore now that I know how being devoted to myself feels. After we were done our interview, we'd done all the follow-up questions. Sarah said, I'd love to take you out for dinner sometime as a thank you for sharing my story. It's been another layer of healing that I didn't know I needed. And I said, I really don't know how it helped, but I'm sure glad it did. I owe you dinner for letting me share a piece of you that's so sacred. She said, it's been healing for me because it's the first time I've heard it told publicly. And to know that it is resonating with people out there who have never met me gives it so much more purpose. I just believe that life is so much bigger than us in our own experiences. It's about community. And I agree completely because that is exactly why I turned my pain into a podcast. All right, you know what? It's decided. We'll go out and buy each other dinner. (laughs) She said, it's a deal. Thank you so much for pressing play this week. I truly hope that Sarah's story helps give new perspective on what can happen when you ignore all the signs. Pay attention to your gut because the last thing I want is for you to play yourself and end up in the wrong destination. If you know someone else who could use some Big Lash energy in their life, could you pretty please share this episode with him? I hear every time you do. Wait, you know what? (laughs) Last week, 
I said if you shared the show that Jason would get a bad case of the hiccups and I'm not even kidding. I spent the entire release day with hiccups. If you don't believe me, you can ask Carly. I had them every time we spoke on the phone and she even got them once. So I guess that was my bad karma for wishing bad on someone. So this week I'm going to say something else. Okay. If you know someone else who could use a little big lash energy in their life, could you pretty please share this episode with them? I hear every time you do, Jason gets a hug and Lord knows he needs one. He lost a fine ass, intelligent, loving, and seriously devoted woman. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Now, until next week, please go be your most fabulous self and don't forget to spread that badass big lash energy everywhere you go. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Goodbye. Hey, if I make us breakfast, do you want to come over and smash?